Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide, and we have another interview for you just in our pre-Christmas show here, kind of the week before uh, everybody's going to be Christmasing out. And we have Aaron Mikesell on the phone from Altera Arms. Altera used to be Axial Precision. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper, Mike, or Aaron, rather. Mike, I'm going Mike, Aaron, I'm messing it all up. Uh, Aaron, come on on to the show. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, Frank. How you guys doing? Merry Christmas and all that. Merry Christmas to you. We're doing pretty good, like everybody else, running around with our hair on fire. Yeah, yeah. You, everybody wants that. They're like, "Hey, man, where's where's the firearms at? Build me one, because there's none in the store." So uh, you know, everybody's in 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 chase it down mode. But uh, one of the reasons we're bringing uh, you on the podcast is you reached out to me, and this kind of goes back. I mentioned several times with the um, that you had looked at and heard me talking about the gain twist barrel stuff. So in 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 what you had said to me is in a way you wanted to kind of um, you know you wanted to test it number one and see if if there was any merit to this, which we're going to get into that part of it. But you were kind of looking at like, hey, how do we separate ourselves from the other guy? I mean, let's face it, there's a ton of competition out there uh, when it comes to building rifles and things like that. And so you felt like maybe the gain twist might be one of those areas to take a look at. Well, yeah, as you know, as a manufacturer, we're always looking at ways to stand out and stand above. Um, it's kind of been how we've operated from the get-go. I mean, when we introduced ourselves to the market, it was, you know, the idea not to be another Me Too company. And, I mean, we have some patents on what we're doing inside our action. Um, we've got a stock designed specifically to help guys operate or manage the fundamentals better. I mean, we're just, we're always looking for that step up and staying staying in front. And so, Gain Twisted was something that intrigued me and even more so than that the left hand twist intrigued me so i i decided you know hey i hear all this stuff we we listen to all these things and we want to separate the voodoo from the real numbers and so we decided to jump in and do some testing and see what we could see well let's let's go long form in that and 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 break down that process who you went to what barrels you got and 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 what you were looking at when you wanted to explore the gain twist side of things? So when I first decided I was going to do this, really the only manufacturer I knew of that was doing gain twist was Bartline. Um, and of course, we've always uh, thought Bartline was a superior barrel out there. They're, they make a great barrel. So um, to get it rolling fast, I, I initially contacted Bartline just to ask questions. But in the end, I ended up buying barrels from Mile High and Bug Holes, just paying retail to get these barrels and and trying to find as close to the same barrels I possibly could and I ended up doing that and then we also wanted to get a control barrel so I ended up with three Bartline barrels in a Sendero profile at 26 inches um, one being just a standard seven and a half 6.5 millimeter barrel and then the other two were uh, left-hand gain twist that were they started at eight 0.7 and went down to 7.622 so a little over one on the on the twist change mm-hmm. at 26 inches but we thought hey we if we're going to do this we've got to do an apple to apples comparison we can't just say well this works better or this doesn't work better if we're not looking at the same thing now you can't filter all the noise out so no totally so that's kind of yeah that's I mean, where we went with the testing 
And, and, and so, and, and, and kind of go into, I mean, not everybody has fixtures in these. So did you just take it out and test it like a normal guy would test it? I mean, did you, you know, well, some, cause and effect? Uh, what, what, what were you looking at? Especially because you're on a manufacturer side. You want to give a good product to your customer, but you also got to build it too. So, uh, you know, go from there. So you, you, you got, you got some six, five test barrels. You have a control barrel. And, and, and so where do you go from that point? Well, at that point, we we looked at it and said, hey, what are we testing? Um, the biggest thing that we were in, interested in as a really our, our niche is a lightweight hunting rifle was the recoil pulse. And that that doesn't really go into the gain as much as it does. We were looking at that left hand twist. And so that was the first thing. And so to set up testing there, what we did is we pretty much have a sled that we use for measuring um, recoil when we've done like muzzle, muzzle brake testing and recoil testing. And I, I did a few modifications to it and moved my, my, my tool so I could measure what that rifle was doing as far as twisting. You know, what, what was that effect? Okay. And so um, basically... You know, it was a six sixes type deal in the in the in the sled as far as if I had a right hand twist barrel, it twisted this much. If I had a left hand barrel, it twisted the same amount the opposite direction. Right. So at that point we were like, okay, we're sixes there, but we weren't we kind of expected that. Um so then it went to feel. Um get behind that rifle. Um watch what your reticles doing as you break a shot and see if you were noticed we were noticing anything you know and we're using the exact same ammo on the exact same rifles all these rifles will were built to the exact same specifications um same weight same scopes everything so what we were able to notice was you were able to control that that recoil quite a bit better as as a right hand shooter as far as your your reticle jump Right. You just could keep it more in front of you, more consistently, regardless of your shooting position. It was better. So, well, um, I, I find it's a straight line. So what it is is, and 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 you kind of brought this up. You're like, well, it's not torquing to the left. It, you know, it's actually going the other way. Well, it is, but it what it what I should say is number one, it's pushing the 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 barrel of the rifle when it exits. It, it does torque the other way. But the problem is, and the help that it, it gives you is the back of the rifle, the part you're attached to, is what comes into the center line of your body as a right-handed shooter. So then the pulse becomes something that's, that's working in the center line of the body and not trying to peel away from you. You know, in... in it, 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 Mark brings this up all the time in our, our classes, and he talks about pincers and graspers. Okay, if you look at your hand, you're, you're, you have your pincing fingers, your, your, your index, and your thumb, and then you have your graspers. And so he'll talk about, well, if I grab this item with my graspers, you can't take it away from me because my graspers are strong. But if I grab this item with my pincers and just put the two fingers on it, it's much easier to take it away from me because they don't have the strength. They're more of the precision and not so much the, the, the gross strength. Well, to me, that recoil pulse is now working to our body's strengths 
and not trying to accomplish something in adapting to a weakness, you know, is absolutely. And and that's kind of where I see that recoil pulse working in the shooter's favor. Again, it's right-handed shooter with the left-hand gain twist. And where you see this, and this is the key for you guys, because you're coming, like you said, your primary would be looking at the hunting crowd. The hunting crowd's the biggest crowd. Well, the hunters are more positional shooters and more unsupported guys because it's a light, heavy recoiling rifle. And in a lot of cases, and I'm, I don't know what you guys are using and brakes and all that, but they're not, they're not ported brakes. They're like Voss brakes a lot of times. So they're not getting the benefit of a break that helps them in that shot. So they're not maintaining that recoil. You know, they're not managing recoil like we would in the tactical or competition world. You know, it's like, Hey, I got the one, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's definitely harder to do with the lighter rifles. It's definitely harder to do in positional shooting, even, you know, especially offhand. So, that's, you know, we see a, a magnified effect probably from what the comp guys see behind a heavy rifle if they were trying out a, a left-hand twist barrel. They probably wouldn't notice a whole lot, but we do. Well, you do. I notice it on, even with a heavier rifle, I notice it on barricades. I notice it on props. Where I don't notice it is in the prone as far as that recoil pulse goes. Now, I do because the bipod doesn't need to be loaded as hard. You know what I mean? It's a, I mean, yep. Here's the thing. Like, you know, just for those guys listening out there, and, and we, you know, we talk about all this all the time, and it, it's how do I give you context? How do I tell you? How do I explain something to you? And, and, and we do this in all these, uh, uh, you know, shows. It's like I'm going to talk about the same topic three different ways, four different ways, six different ways. Well, it's it's not that you don't see it. It just becomes an easier thing. Yeah, Harris bipod will work, but you're going to have to do a lot more work behind it to get the same results as a guy using an elite iron. You know what I mean? So could you could you work up to it? Could you work up to being an excellent guy with that type of equipment? Absolutely. But, you, but what we're talking about is you can get there quicker and easier if you went to this. And that kind of segues us into the, um, the the uh, the bullet property of the gain twist. So we know the recoil pulse is different. You guys noticed a recoil pulse change, but now let's talk about the gain itself. Um, so the the gain itself was interesting, also there too. I mean, where you can lead into a, a little lighter twist to begin with. I think you're seeing less cause and effect there, but probably immeasurable um, to the shooter. But what we started thinking is, okay, if we're going to do this, we, we saw what we wanted to see out of the left hand. Now, what's the gain twist doing for us? So basically, we started collecting numbers on velocities, um, standard deviations, extreme spreads, um, also BC variation from short to mid to long range, um, and just tried to collect statistical data to see if we were seeing any variation there and you know as far as velocity goes it's really it was really hard to say where my data set was so small we did see like a slider quicker 
velocity from the game twist barrels, but that could have been as simple as the fingerprint of those barrels. They were just faster. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't ever look at it to say, you know, to me, if it's a 22-inch barrel or a 26-inch barrel, to me, the velocity is a bar- it's a Bartland barrel. The velocities are going to be within spec of each other, whether it's a gain or normal. So if you're running, yeah. if you're running a seven and a half twist or an eight and a half, if you're running a eight and a half twist that's 26 inches, and an eight and you know, or a gain twist that's 26 inches, they should be within your deviation. You know what I mean? They're not going to be that far off. No, they're not. But we did see some interesting numbers as um, you know these barrels as I shot. So many rounds at 26 inch barrel, I would, I took one of those barrels and started cutting it back two inches at a time and then going and shooting the exact same ammo to see what my effect was. And we saw less velocity drop off in the gain twist barrel than we did the the control barrel. Okay. Not, not now, like I said, these, these data sets are small, so I can't say conclusively that, yeah, you're seeing something, but we started to see a trend that we're going to keep watching and see what happens. Well, my, my point to everybody in, in all, and I bring it up to you guys. I bring it up to everybody listening, but you're not seeing a negative. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, through all this, we couldn't find anything that said, don't do it. Right. But I mean, like the point is, you know, okay. Like we, we, we tested this against this and, you know, the, the numbers are negligible. They don't count. They're they're a wash. They're both the same. You know, maybe you got five feet per second here, 10 feet per second there, and different shot strings. But okay, they're close to the same. That's a zero sum right there. But then you look at the left hand. The left hand's going to help you positionally. The left hand's going to recoil, the, keep the pulse in a better line, working with your body, not against it. Then you go to the gain and maybe it's a pressure differential. Maybe it's this that's different. You're not seeing higher muzzle velocity, but you're not seeing pressure spikes either. And then you could talk about the SDs you guys saw and the different things like that. So with that, we were just, once again, data set after data set after data set, using the same ammunition in the same rifles. And across the board through that, we were constantly seeing a smaller ES and a more consistent smaller standard deviation out of the game twist. Um, the velocities just seem to stay closer to each other rather than spreading out so as much. Right, right. And I, and that was interesting for us to go, hey, you know, that's you're, this is going to help you. This all this can do is help you. Yes. And, and and that's the thing is is that I've noticed is they tend to be, and we'll get into this a, a little bit more detail, is they tend to be really, really forgiving. So yep. it's less work in a way because, um, you know, again, your your SDs are a little bit lower. Even if they were too, if they were just, you know, if we're talking, a, I got an SD of 12 on a regular barrel and an SD of 10 on the gain twist, I'm taking the 10. You know, it's just that yeah. little bit better, and it's these accumulations of things that tend to favor the gain twist. And so, uh, to me, I, I do notice that same thing, that the rifles are more consistent, that they're more forgiving. I'm not doing a lot of work behind them, and, and the effort is rewarded with, you know, a point more. And But 
if I'm doing two points less work and I'm getting one point for my effort, hey, man, I'll take it all day. Yeah. And, you know, I'll point out, we did every single one of these in 6.5 PRC. It's our most popular cartridge right now. So we figured that's where we're going to do this. And we have a shelf load that we we make and manufacture and sell out of here that works really well in all our, our um, rifles. So we use that and we also use factory ammo. And what we saw on the factory ammo was pretty amazing as far as what it did to the ES and SDs. So, I, I mean, it was a, better than a point each time. Oh, yeah. No, and I know I'm being I'm, I'm kind of being humbled on it a little bit because I don't want to hype it because if I overhype it, then people are gonna 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 shut off. You know what I mean? They'll be like, yeah. "Oh no, he's way hyping it. Forget it." But I I I get it because I seen it and I'm a fan. Why I keep going in this direction and we keep talking about it. But it, it's it's different to have you to have a manufacturer to have somebody or even I mean you you're a smaller gun shop. You know I say manufacturer. You're still building it, but you took the time to go out and look at these things to give answers to customers when they ask. Why are you doing this? Well, this is why we're doing it. We looked at it, we saw it, and we see some improvements. Now, the improvements might not be all earth-shattering, but there's still some improvement there that could be had for nothing more than buying that barrel. Yeah, uh, well, our goal is to extend any hunter's ethical range. I mean, that's, that's what we try to do here. And every little thing I can get extends their range. So right. it's, it, it was, it was worth testing. And, and the way we tested it was, well, because we're a manufacturer, we had the ability to build three identical rifles and test them with the same ammos and have direct comparisons, you know, not necessarily, Oh, I, I chambered this rifle in in uh, six, five Creedmoor. And then the next time I chambered with a left-hand gain twist and six, five by 47, which is a complete, now you've changed the whole ball game anyways. Right. We, we did it across the board with the control and then the exact same rifles to see if we could collect some data. And the data we got said positive, positive, positive across the board. Nice. And now did you guys play with the bullet weights any, and, and did you see I, that? It- I didn't. That was the other thing that, you know, we wanted to look at is we, we already take a little pride in the way, you know, we have a patented barrel connection, which has given our rifle a little bit of forgiveness from bullet weights anyways, but this just made it better. I mean, I shot from 147s all the way down to some 100 grain um, 6.5 bullets, and everything shot relatively same. I mean, my point of impact shifts weren't even that far off. I mean, it was, it was really interesting to watch how forgiving and how this would just eat any bullet you, you gave it. And, and that's the same thing I've been talking about and the same thing we found and, and, and really, you know, kind of like guys are out there listening, probably going, why aren't we doing this? Why didn't we do, I mean, this technology goes back to the 1800s, right? And when you look at it, the guy who did it back then and said, hey, you should be doing this. You got to look at it. Number one, he was a silhouette shooter. A silhouette is positional. Shooting heavy, slow bullets that take a while to get out of the gun. You know what I mean? So yes. they, 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 wanted, they, they wanted that. They need that recoil pulse to stay consistent for them because their follow through. Think about these guys are shooting like subsonics and those big fat bullets, you know, the three, four hundred grainers from back in the day that has a much bigger effect than what we're shooting today. 
And so these guys were working that problem then for those. And then what happened was manufacturing, okay, machines. They basically, at the time, they said a machine can only go one way because of gears. And John Browning said, we're going right. Machines turn to the right. We're going to the right. But, I mean, we we mentioned this a ton. Lee Enfield is a left-hand twist. There were a ton of European rifles at the turn of the century that were left-hand cut because they did it by hand and machines didn't exist and different things like that. Well, then you come, Bartlin comes in. And, and Bartlin, you know, CNC's their machines. They, they create this process. They can do left-hand tools and all that stuff. And through the CNC process, they resurrect the game twist in a way. And, and this I want to kind of get into because this came up this week on the hide um, the questions always are coming, what do we do for a gain? Now, you guys did like a one-to-one, and I think a one-to-one is safe. You know, um, basically what that means is if, if I start at the breach and I have an 8.5 twist, a 1.0 would be to a 7.5. So you, yep. you would go one-to-one, right? So I start at 8.5 at the breach. I'm going to end at the muzzle at 7.5. Now, Bartlin tends to recommend a three-quarter twist. I feel both are equally safe. Um, I don't think well, we're, we're losing much. Um, like mine, a lot of mine would be not an 8.5, but an 8 and a quarter to a 7.5. Since, would- since last time you and I talked, Frank, I've had a couple of conversations with Frank over at Bartline. Okay. And, and we've discussed this a little bit, and, and his opinion, and I think he's correct, is you, you really don't see anything extra going from three-quarter to one. Um, you may, if you've got a longer barrel, so you can you can drag that pitch out a little longer, because that changes as you shorten the barrel, if you, if, you know. Right, right. So basically what we settled on, and, and after talking to Frank and what, you know, going over my data with him and what I'm seeing – we pretty much settled on ours is going to be a three quarter change from whether it's a 20 inch barrel or a 28 inch barrel. That's what we're going to do on our rifles as we start moving forward. And so I, I, I've fallen in line with him on that, that three quarter rather than doing the one. Perfect. I mean, and that's kind and we know that's a good safe zone. We know it's working for a wide variety of stuff. I mean, I'm doing it from six millimeter in, in, in all the way. Now, have I gone more aggressive? Are there people out there going more aggressive? Absolutely. Um, service rifle people, two, two threes, they're more aggressive. Okay, yeah. uh, certain monolithic solids, you can get more aggressive. Uh, the longer the solid, because if you go back now, people should go back to any Everyday Sniper podcast with Frank Green and Bartland Barrel. I believe there's two of them. And we talk about the game twist with Frank, and we get a little more wonky and technical, although I think this is a better discussion because this is a, the practical side of it. And this isn't our what we were thinking that you'll hear from uh, Frank and myself. But the, the, the nice thing is, like, somebody came on the hide because there's conversation this week about gain twist barrel. And somebody came on the hide and said, why bother? What, you know, when Benchrest does it, we'll do it. Benchrest is already doing it, dude. They're already yep. out there doing it. They do like a half. They're doing less. But they're still in the game doing something with it. OK, 
Okay, so Benchrest is absolutely doing it. Service Rifle is absolutely doing it. I know there were some F-Class stuff going around. I don't know how popular or pervasive it is, but there are some. I have it, like I said, I have it in 6 mil. I have it in 338. I have it in 6.5. I even think my Valkyrie, my bolt action is it as well. So I believe I have it in the 224. It is. My Valkyrie is a gain twist, a left-hand gain twist as well. My Valkyrie shoots lights out. And that's the thing is that not every manufacturer can do this. Because the machines aren't set up to do it. Why we don't? Why is this not more common? Because not everybody can can execute it. Yep, there's only a few that I know of. Uh, Bartline being the one that has really played with it the most, and and I think got it worked out very well. But it, yeah, it really comes down to the machines they have are capable of doing it and repeating your your results. Right. So. Well, in like left-hand twist, Mark Chanlin, and Mark Chanlin's a Colorado guy who was a disciple of Boots Obermeyer, and Mark did a lot of AMU barrels. Mostly they're 22 and different stuff, but he did AMU barrels. You can find a lot of Mark Chanlin barrels are left-hand twist. Okay, you have to look and see which one's here and there, but Mark does left-hand twist barrels. Um, he doesn't do gain but he does left-hand twist. Um, so that's one thing that has been out there, but it's been under the radar. You know, guys are out running around and doing these things. It just wasn't talked about. It wasn't a common deal. Um, you know, in uh, uh, Rock Creek, Rock Creek will say with their barrels and the way they do certain things that a lot of their barrels are kind of gained as well, but they're gained within the 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 the, the the system, you know what I mean? So if you wanted a 10 twist, you might have like a, a nine, nine to a 10, two or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're not, it's not perfect, but, um, but rock Creek had mentioned that there's, which was what they kind of, you know, imply lends to a little bit of their accuracy. Cause a rock Creek is an excellent barrel is that, you know, it's a good barrel and it's a forgiving barrel because they let the rifling, elongate a little well and based on the the studies and looks that we've done you would see some of those performance improvements i really think a lot of the gain twist sds es's that sort of stuff is because it's got a constant opening of those lands and maintaining that pressure and that's where that consistency comes from so even a slight little bit you're not going to get as much blow by or or variations of it's constant pressure Right, right. And and that was the thing when if if you go back to I think it was the last one I did with Frank Green and we were talking about because early on Hornaday had asked for some of these barrels to look at them and Hornaday treated the barrel exactly like a normal barrel with their pressure, uh, uh, not switches, but you know what I mean? The pressure uh, port. the ports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and what they were looking at. And they found no negatives to it, and, and the gain twists were working, and they were kind of interested. And so Frank kind of says, well, they came back to him, and they said, hey, give us a couple more of these, and then they're moving the ports around. So now they're looking to see if they can find something going on in the middle here, and what's going on uh, you know, throughout the entire process of this barrel instead of looking at just chamber ports and exit ports and things like that. Yeah. 
They're, they want to look at more down the, the, the road because I think they're seeing the same thing you are. There's these the, these positives are floating around out there. You know, like it's like, all right, I'm going to do this. And it's like, oh, that's a little positive. Oh, that's a, but then they're not seeing any negatives. And if they can have it be more forgiving for their bullet types in the pressures, because really it's coming down to pressure for a, a, a bullet manufacturer. They want to look at the pressures. And so well, I think it's it's more than that for them, too. It's uh, uh, jacket integrity. Yeah. Um, what they can do there, because, you know, we we could talk about the skid effect. Um, what's happening as it enters that twist at a, a lower twist. It's not skidding as much. And that's not going to deform as harshly for for your jacket to possibly fail. So. Oh, totally. And, and, and that will I mean. Honestly, if they force the industry to go in that direction, they would look better. So, of course, they want to go to a technology that makes their cartridge look better. And if all these little changes, like you're saying, I mean, if you get a box of factory ammo and it's got an SD of 15, you might go, oh, okay, this box, and that's pretty typical. Yeah, I got SD of 15. But if you get this box of ammo... And it's factory ammo, and it's and it's more consistently having SD a ten. You're gonna be rock star. You know what I mean? You're gonna look at it and yeah. go, "Hey, this is that much better. I want this ammo." And and really, what it's coming down to is that your rifle is doing it better. Because I mean, like you were saying, I mean, you know, if you're not doing apples to apples, all of this stuff changes in minor ways, and you got to throw it all out the window. Yeah, you, you can't separate the data if you don't have it that way. You, you can't look at it objectively no. if, if you've got too big of variations between everything. Because it's such small, minute things that are changing. You, you'd just never be able to put your finger on it if you didn't do it that way. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, you know, the, the, if you can get things done quicker with a hunting rifle... You know your load development, your your what what bullet works best, and if it's more forgiving on bullet weights and stuff, it it, it allows you to say, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get these three boxes. Each one's different. I'm going to run all three through the rifle and see which one it likes the best, and I'm good. And rather than to go, oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. You know, it, it, and again, it kind of goes back to the um to to the Valkyrie misfire. Where if, 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 if something comes out like a Valkyrie and it's misfiring out of the gate, the ammo, right? I buy a box of ammo and it's not doing what I'm asking it to. I go and do this and it's not doing it. I'm trying to hand load and it's a fight. Nobody wants to go that way. But if you yep. could say, hey, man, if you do this, you change this barrel to that, it's not a fight anymore. That opens up the door to so much more things we can look at. It absolutely does. That's why we're chasing the squirrel. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? I mean, it, it, and it, it, your your customer. I mean, think about the if if your wing call with the left hand twist and you're and you're you're getting rid of your drifts, right? So we're we're cutting our drifts out. So I'm going left and I'm canceling my rights and all that. And so now my wing call becomes a little purer, where the wind is actually right. And I'm not overspinning something and adding more drift that the computers are now getting wrong, or I'm underspinning something which is less drift and the computer's getting it wrong. And and so it's like, well, if my wind call is a, a pure number now, 
your 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 ethical hits on the animal are going to be better. Yeah, and that's one of the things we looked at when it came all the way down to, you know, we're going to look at this Coriolis cancellation. Really, it was a, a kind of a mute subject. It wasn't that big of a deal. But what we were seeing at range was, hey, the margin of error is better, which means you've got a longer ethical range now all of a sudden. It might only be 100 yards, but that could be a big difference. Yeah. If you're, you know. Before you could make a 500 yard shot, and now you can make six 650 and feel comfortable about it. Great. Right. It's the difference between going home with nothing and going home with a trophy on your on your wall. You know. Yep. Absolutely. So, even though it was kind of a a non-starter when we looked at it, by the time we got done looking at it, we went, "Well, it's not really as big a non-starter as we thought," because this was increasing range for some of these guys. Or it would. I guess I can't say it has, but it will right. based on our testing. Yeah, and we know, I mean, I mean, just like from our class standpoint, we get hunters coming to our class all the time, and, and it's a common story. Hey, I went out last year. I had, an, I had an elk tag, you know, 150 or less, and I missed them. And I went home skunked because I didn't hit my animal, you know, from inside 200 yards. And then they take the class, and that following year, right after the class, um... You know, you get a picture in the, in your email and the guy got something at 5.30. You know, and it's like, we got one guy now who, who this happened to. And so now when he gets a tag, he comes to class. You know, it's like, hey, I got a tag, I'm coming to class. And he knows he's going to get something good because he doesn't have to settle on something short. He, he has that ability to punch out a little further. He, he, can, he can say... Nah, that one at two is not the one I want. I'm going to wait because there's one at five that's really nice. And as soon as he opens up, I'm taking the five where in the past, you know, most people would have never even considered the, the, the guy past two. Yeah. Well, and not to take anything away from the conversation of game twist, but I'm still a huge proponent of the training aspect that you guys do. I mean, if a guy really wants to make a big difference, that's the biggest one he's going to make. Go get some training. Yeah. I mean, you're buying a hit only goes so far. Um, yeah. depending on the shooter. Now, they, don't get me wrong. Some people do very well buying hits and they have a natural talent that, that works for them. But then there's other people that have to have to work at it. Well, I'd, I'd say the majority of us out there would, would are going to benefit the most from that training. But once you have that, it's from there, you're starting to pick the pepper out of fly shit. And that's what we're doing now is, is getting the smallest things as we can go picked up and added to the hardware. So, yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense, man. It, it's totally, um, y- you know, so what's a, uh, what's a, like a good rifle spec package you guys are putting together. I know you're doing uh, some carbon fiber barrel stuff. You're doing some other, um, the, the lighter. So spec out what, it, what, it, where you guys are, are kind of have settled on as, as going to be sort of your signature rifle. Well, our, our niche line right now is a rifle we call the Mountain Shadow, and it's an ultra-lightweight, short-barrel platform. So it comes, you know, on a carbon fiber stock with a carbon barrel. Um, 6.5 and down is a 20-inch barrel. 7 millimeter and up is a 22-inch barrel. Um, those rifles all come off the, the line at about 6 pounds uh, without optics. Um, but... With this uh, Game Twist release, we're also releasing our own carbon fiber barrel, which uh, it's just a different wrap technique that we're using that we've seen a little bit more consistency out of and um, less point of impact shift on repeated shots. 
Nice. But that's going to go hand in hand with this gain twist release. I mean, I just settled in with Frank the other day on our first order for our, our carbon fiber barrel blanks that will all be a left-hand gain twist and, and they'll be introduced. Oh, well, five months, depending off fast Frank can get them cut for me. Um, in a, in our carbon fiber platform, which, um, you know, we tested every single carbon fiber barrel there is on the market over the last year or two. And just, we weren't finding the results we wanted. So we went and, and figured out how to do it ourselves and, uh, teamed up with a, a composite company out of California that had a, a process worked out all the testing we did on those barrels. We saw what we needed, which every single one of our rifles comes with a half MOA guarantee with factory premium ammo. We weren't getting that with most carbon fiber barrels. We're back to being able to produce that with these. Nice, nice. And, and it, you know, they're not, it, it does change some things up. It's, it's not for everybody, but in the hunting aspect, it's a game changer, man. And, you know, if you can go a little bit thicker because you got the good carbon fiber barrel and you can get a little bit of more target shooting out of it before it starts to mirage up on you or something or you notice it kind of getting a little squirrely, it it, it, it's, it makes sense because that's that missing part of it again is that, that repetition. If you can shoot it, practice with it, you're going to be better with it. Yeah. I mean, there's no beating a heavy steel barrel, but in the hunting game, it's it's that compromise between... Uh, lightweight and and shootability and we think we found a really good spot that fits both of those areas so and and that's key man that's that we see a lot of guys come to class with hunting rifle especially the alaska crew you know those guys are all like half the class is going to be hunting rifles whether they're pencil barrels or some type of carbon fiber and, you know, we know to manage them in a way, but if I can, if I can take a guy with a carbon fiber barrel and give him a five shot drill versus the guy with the pencil thin, I only can give a three shot drill. I mean, to me, that's, you know, that's, that's a significant amount of reps. That's going to be about 20 to 40 more rounds in a, in a class that that guy's going to have of practice versus the one where his barrel can't handle it. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. And so that's to me, that's from where I look at these things that, you know, a carbon fiber barrel is going to have added benefit because as long as you watch your pace, you're still going to be able to get more rounds downrange, get more practice out of it. But you still have to kind of manage and watch your pace. Um, yeah, and that's that's a niche in the market that we're trying to fill too. And like these guys are spending top dollar on these rifles and they, they want more than just a dedicated hunting rifle. I mean, the, the game of long range has got so popular. These guys want to go play too. And to have a rifle that'll do both. That's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I totally, I mean the hunting field, it's so gigantic and we only from our standpoint, sort of the snipers hide the tactical, the, the, the people we deal with. Um, it's, it's tiny. You know, what we do is we kind of touch on like a corner of those guys. But there's, you know, they eclipse us by millions. I mean, we're not talking, you know, we, we always argue with like the competition people. Yeah, there's only a few of them. They're not really the comp people. And, and you've brought this up is they, they, they have an influence, but they don't have a number. You know, their influence is higher than their numbers would suggest because they've, they've learned to manage social media better than other groups. But they don't sell like you think they do. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, you I, guys can talk about those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we we know what the markets look like and who's buying and and how much they're buying, and so. The, and the go ahead, tell them. Go ahead, tell them what you said. You told me. So rather, I mean, the, the the comm guys are definitely big influencers, Frank. They they people are watching what they're doing. They're seeing what they're doing, and they they watch what they're running, and and that helps these guys think they're making a decision on what they're going to buy. But when it comes to like who's actually buying in competition, I mean, the number there is probably somewhere just over a million people that are actively shooting, and not even you don't even have that big a number that are actively registered as a competitive shooter. But when it comes to hunters, that number's in the 30 millions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's huge, massively different. So we, we try to cater to the, to the hunting crowd, but at the same time, we want to find this uh, in between. So if a guy wants to spend this amount of money on a tier one rifle, not only can he use it to take hunting and effectively, he can also go out and have some fun with it. Yeah, I mean, if you can go out west here and do a, a Scott Satterley match or do one of the NRL hunter class matches or do one of the uh, precision hunters that Satterley puts on. I mean, we, you know, we just talk about all the drama with the, the PRS that just happened in the last podcast and all that. But there's there's options out there. You can, you can go and shoot. They, there's going to be a hunter division. Right, so you're going to have yep. a, a hunter division in NRL. You 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 have the the hunter style matches that Scott puts on, you know, and and they're gearing this towards guys. And if you can get a rifle like this, that that allows you, like again, you don't have to shoot ten rounds, but if you can get five rounds out of it, because I know some of the hunter class are putting five round limits on stuff. If you can get five good rounds out of out of something, and it's not wandering. Versus the three rounds that where where those some of those thin barrels I've seen tend to wander around you know the three four shot, it, it, it's you're you're going to succeed and then you can go out and you can push your skill level you can go out and play the games that you're seeing with your hunting rifle, and the more you play that game the more you're going to get practice and improve your ethical range when you do get that tag so that's it's a good thing for these guys that the hunting guys this this new hunting class and NRL the stuff that Satterley's doing. It's it's real world uh, or, or more practical world uh, use of a rifle. Yep. And in so, their their blind stages, like Scott's been doing blind stages. You know, he's he's to me in in a time when we're seeing so much drama and so many people do things right or wrong. Rather, it's nice to see a guy doing them right. And what he's doing is he basically is he, he he's he's cleaning it up a little bit. He's big, he's saying, listen. This is how the real world works. Let's kind of limit the contrived stuff. And he's played the contrived games. He knows what's going on. But he's 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 going, okay, five-round mags, you know, this, okay, that. Okay, he's looking at it in a practical way because it should be about a guy who's able to go out and take this rifle he gets from you, uses it on a, on a trophy hunt for himself, but then in between he can go shoot two or three of these things in a year and keep his skill level up. Yeah, yep, Absolutely. And, and we're we're hoping to get involved in some of that stuff as time goes on too. We want to get our platform out there playing those games and, and showing people what they can do. So, well, and I think you guys are. It, it, this is this is a nice thing. I mean, you you look at it's it's Altera Arms, and 
just just the effort you're putting into to give your customer a better product based on what's out there today and looking at all these little things is is something worth separating you from the other guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been to Christensen's and I know they're in your backyard. Um, you guys are all Utah group and I don't know if you're all related in the same family that way, but it, 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 I, I'm not sure I would spend my money. Now there's some really, really nice Christensen's that are mixed in there, but overall I would pick and choose before I just jumped in two feet because you recognize the name, you know? And, and yeah, there's there's definitely tons of options out there. Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to get you in a place to bag on them. I don't want you to. I'm just saying they're well known in that backyard for high dollar hunting rifles. And there's options out there, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there's from you know the builders to those of us that would be called OEM manufacturers. There's there's tons of options out there for guys, and and they. It's just a game everybody th- seems to be playing to try to put together that better mouse trap in their in their rifle build. And where where do the gains come? Some people can only talk about it. Some of us can actually show data. Here we've got data. The gains are there. Exactly. Like, and that's the that's the thing is that you're out there pushing. You're moving forward. You want to separate yourself from the other guys, and you're you're not doing it with just changing the price tag. You know, oh, we'll make our price tag bigger and people will flock to us. Or, you know, we'll give you a box of loaded ammo with it. And, you know, that's paired to your gun. It's like, well, okay, thanks. And, um, yeah. you know, it's it's different. And I get that. And and I and I, I, I think people will appreciate uh, that you're doing there. But, yeah, plug your websites, um, which you guys got going on. And, and I don't know if there's any more data you had on the game twist. I think we hit most of it. Was well, there, a- there was one other thing that we didn't talk about. Oh, and that go was for that. The BC um, variation. So we did some testing on short, mid, and long-range BC variation as far as what was happening with that bullet out of the game twist. And we were seeing that some pretty interesting stuff there too, Frank, with the BC not falling off as much as you move from 400 out to 800 and 800 out to 1,200 we were kind of looking at what that BC was doing by observation and it wasn't dropping off as bad. So you were holding a higher BC value out to, you know, your longer distances, which consistency is accuracy. And when you hold that, that tighter consistency, you're able to make those calls at those longer ranges. They're a lot easier, more forgiving. Once again, um, I, I really think that has to do with the way the bullet, is not deforming as bad or it's deforming more symmetrical through a gain twist barrel. Yep. Um, I mean, cause that's the thing is BC is a factor of muzzle velocity. And if you're getting a little weird wobble and, and these wobbles are microscopic guys these swirls and wobbles and charts you see, make it look crazy. You know, like if you, if you just look at a picture, they make this big swirl. The elliptical swirl is giant. And they show like a point and then it, it's like, you know, the bullet's this big and the swirl looks twice as big. It's not really that. The swirl is small. But if you have a little bit bigger swirl, because just like Aaron's saying, if you deformed the bullet a little bit different, if you caused anything to kind of open up that swirl a little bit, your BC is going to suffer. Because BC and muzzle velocity are tied that way. And this is interesting, too, because years ago, the Oak Ridge Tech, um, Oak Ridge makes a uh, target system for the military. 
and it's an electronic system. It's got muzzle velocity. It's got all these things. It's paper targets. We we shot them years ago, and I had one in H bar, but they're expensive. But the military uses them, and they had a system at Dev Group with the seals, and they started noticing the BCs. And what they did is because the Oakwood Tech had a target backer with like a Tyvek back on it. So when you went through the sound system, you didn't just go through like a hollow frame like a lot of us do now. They had a backer on it. And they started looking at the bullet holes in the backer. And they found when the BC was changing, just like you're talking about, that... The point was not perfectly centered. There was point differences, and part of it was twist rate and spin of these 5.56 bullets. And so they noticed this going on using an Oak Ridge uh, or an Oakwood tech system. And here you guys are looking at the game twist, and you're noticing BC variations. That is exactly what you're, you're right. It's got to be either not messing the bullet up, or keeping it stable better. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Your 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 bullet deformation is a little bit more symmetrical and and consistent, and you're also holding a better trajectory with less wobble, so you're not slowing down as fast. Yep. Um, and and then that's that's going to calculate out to a better you know if you're back calculating it, which what is what we were doing. We're we're seeing better BCs out of the barrel at, at distance. Totally. And you guys were saying too, you found the software trued up a little easier, didn't you? Well, yeah. When you start seeing more consistent results and SDESs, you start seeing a, a less drop off in your BC because most softwares, you know, you're pretty much plugging in a constant value for your BC. You're not, most guys aren't taking it to the level of I've got a BC for zero to four and four to eight and eight to 12. But if you're just using that single number, you're going to settle in closer to that actual number over the, the whole travel of that, that bullet. And so your software is going to operate better. Yep. It's just, it, it's going to, it's going to clean it up. It's going to be a little bit more consistent and, and it's going to seem like, Hey, I'm not having to, to tweak this or lie to it as much. I'm just getting numbers that are working. Nice. And I, and again, that's kind of where I fall and I just take it for granted because it happens with me all the time now, but it's because I have eight gain twist barrels too. And, 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 you know, that's one of the things, again, it's just, it's, if I can make your job a little easier tomorrow, if, if you, if loading the bipod is less of a hassle for you, if, you know, shooting this bullet is a little more forgiving and works a little straighter, if your BC runs a little better, your SD's a little bit, it's all these things that we're doing that have become cumulative that we're putting in the positive category Instead of saying this plus this plus this has to be subtracted in your software, go do this and give me my Coriolis and spin drift and all that. Where instead you just turn that shit off and don't even think about it. Yeah, you, you simplify the game. You're faster too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. You, you don't have to take so many things and and calculate them down to the gnat's ass and, and never get a shot off. You actually can get your number, get that shot off, and feel comfortable about it. Yeah, you mean you're that much more consistent, like you said. You're that much more. You know what to do because you're not always. Oh, where am I today? You you know where yeah. you are. Yeah. So that that was one of the other things I thought I ought to mention that we we saw through observation. Um, 
and and we're just collecting more and more data on this as we go too. This was kind of a initial. We're going to look at it and see if this is something we're going to adopt. And and just based off the initial one, we we voted unanimously here. Yeah, we're going this route. And um, as our barrel stock depletes, we're replacing it with left hand gain twist and some right hand gain for our our lefties. Nice, but. Um, we're, we're pretty much just going to start moving that direction with, with all our rifles. I'll, I guess I'll always keep some standard twist on the shelf for those guys that just aren't comfortable. That's fine. I mean, you it's know, easy. We'll, we'll do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's a big deal, but sure. But we're, we're pretty much moving that direction. Um, and, and like I said, I've, I've got that first order going. Uh, we're hopefully only five months to having that, ready to go and and that a standard offering on the shelf here so so you what you're saying is for anybody listening you you should be ready in time for hunting season 2021 yeah 2021 hunting season these rifles will be ready to roll nice yep. nice and and just so everybody knows we we have an unconditional guarantee on our rifles you know like i said half inch on factory premium and quarter inch if we do the load development for you at 100 so and if you're not happy with that we'll bring the rifle back and either make it that way or give you your money back. I mean, that, but we've yet to have to do that. So. And, and, and you guys have been around, like I said, under axial precision before, and then you just had some, you had some uh, personnel changes and you kind of went to a revamp just to simplify some things. And, yeah. And, we, we ended up hiring uh, Mike Schwieber out of Weatherby as our chief marketing director. And he, he wanted kind of a, uh, a new platform and he felt like our name was a little too too much of a mouthful so we rebranded at the beginning of the year still the same company uh, uh same rifle same um, patented technology that we had before just a new name awesome awesome so give everybody your website or phone numbers or however to get a hold of you guys so um unless like i said unless you know something else but uh I, I think we covered everything on the gains didn't we i mean we really covered the 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 mainstay of what it is, I could sit and ramble on about the numbers I collected all day, but then we're getting into the weeds. So nice, nice. Yeah, we know we're coming up on an hour, so it's it's been pretty good. It's a good. I think it's a great discussion, man. I think you guys nailed it by looking at all these different areas. So definitely, like I said, give you guys a, a plug and let everybody know how to find you. Yeah. So if you want to find us online, it's just www.alteraarms.com. Um, if you want to give us a ring here at the shop, it's 208-608-5179. Um, of course we're on all the social media platforms to be followed there too. Um, just search Altera arms and you'll find us. Uh, we're constantly trying to put out, you know, not just, Hey, look what everybody did. Uh, we put out testing results. We, we talk about stuff, what we're looking at, what the industry's doing. So if we try to stay in touch with the, the consumers out there to keep them in the know and help them sort through all the voodoo too. Cause I mean, just like everybody else, we're sorting through it too. We're just trying to do it systematically. Nice. Nice. No, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you reaching out like you did. And, and, you know, cause like I said, I say all this stuff and I talk on the podcast and, and, you know, I'm in my, my office and I'm not talking to anybody other than you're on the phone. Um, but uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I feel like sometimes I'm talking to myself but it's good to see guys are out there listening. Guys are, exp are exploring. They're, they're testing. They're looking at it. Uh, you know, even like the Chris Way, um, the marksmanship test we talked about with the sitting, kneeling, standing prone, we've got like 80 sheets came in. 
you know, so guys are doing that stuff. So I really appreciate it. It's totally worthwhile. I appreciate Aaron reaching out, uh, uh, all this. I mean, it's, 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 you know, just been an awesome run, a great year. And, um, th- this has been, this has been fun. Well, I appreciate you, Frank. I listen to you all the time more because you're a funny fucker, but, um, <laughs> I, we, I enjoy all the information and there's a lot of stuff I hear on your podcast with the, with you and the other guys you have on that gets me going, okay, what am I going to test next? And, and just verify myself. So nice, nice. So I appreciate it. Uh, stay on the line, Eric. I'm going to cut us out of this and our Aaron. Yeah. Eric, Aaron, I'm a mess. I can't get a name right today. Wow. I feel uh, I'm, I'm, I need to drink more or something and, COVID or something. If I was drunk, I'd probably be paying more attention. Yeah. <laughs> no, I apologize. You got it too, Frank. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, hey, guys, thank you for, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for commenting. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year. I'm sure you'll talk to me before uh, New Year. Um, Aaron, Mike Sell, you got, he, it's, I got that one right. Um, <laughs> with uh, Altera Arms, Altera. A L L. Yep. Altera Arms. A L L T E R R A. There you go. Altera Arms Arms out of Utah. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for exploring the left hand game twist and and, and giving everybody, you know, what results you saw. Uh, You know what? Good or bad, man. I want to hear what people have to say. Because if they're out there and, and the masses find it sucks, well, then maybe we shouldn't be looking at it. But if the masses are saying, hey, we're seeing positives. Well, that's something to push the industry in that direction. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Frank. You got it, man. Talk to you soon. Hang on. Let that end out. <laughs>